You're listening to the Matthew Sermon Series at Sojourn Midtown. In this series, we are following Jesus as he calls us to take on his yoke so that we may experience true flourishing. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is Matthew 14, 22-36. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in your bulletin or on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, when he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea, very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to walk to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they came to shore at Gennesaret. When the men of that place recognized him, they littered the whole vicinity and brought to him all who were sick. They begged him that they might only touch the end of his robe, and as many as touched it were healed. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, peace be with you. All right. Well, it is good to see you all. You all should uh, give yourself a round of applause for springing forward. All right. Celebrate the small successes in life. And I just want to praise the Lord for our worship team. I mean, they got here, what, 6, 630? <laughs> wow. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, my name is Jamal, if you are a first-time guest, and I have the uh, pleasure of just opening up the Word today and, uh, and presenting what the Lord has, has written here to you. I pray that a song uh, would be sung and a word spoken. Uh, that will enrich your life in Christ Jesus. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get to it. Uh, Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak your word. I pray, Father God, that you would meet the person today who is just reaching out for the hem of your garment. The ones, Lord, who just come desperate for you. And I pray for those who are in the crowd who's not desperate, who are just here that you would awaken our hearts, that you would make us alive to you and present to your realities. Thank you for Sojourn Community Church. Thank you for the universal church. I pray, Lord, that you would just work in your bride. I pray for those who are just riddled with fear as uh, the coronavirus and other sicknesses and, and other things are just pressing upon their heart this morning that that we would hear your word tonight, today. Have courage. It is I. Shepherdess Lord, 
speak, for your servants are listening. In the matchless, wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Well, I I am really uh, humbled and excited uh, by today's passage. And uh, I think that this sermon has, and this passage has the potential uh, to change your life in Christ Jesus today. I think that this passage and this sermon has the the potential through the spirit, not by might nor by power, to change your perspective, to change my perspective, to root us as a church in ways that we may not be rooted. And so I'm just going to ask you to just open your ears and open your eyes. And even though you lost an hour last night, to just be gritty and press through with me. All right. Because I really sense in the spirit today that the Lord wants and will bring life transformation to a number of people today. And so as we start and as we look at this amazing passage and this amazing Savior that is displayed in this passage, um, I I just want to share a a time in which I was in a a, a physical storm. it was with my, my parents. We got off a flight. We were in Florida, in a city in Florida, and there was a, a tropical storm. And it was, to this date, the worst storm I had ever been in. And it just came out of nowhere. I remember being a kid behind uh, in the backseat, had an angle to see my father's face. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And my mom was just gently like encouraging him to pull over on the side of the road. Um, like the 75% other drivers and families were. And my father was like, no, I believe we, we, we can make it. We can make it. And suddenly this 18-wheeler uh, pulled out in front of us in a safe way. And my father said, all right, this is our ticket. And he moseyed behind this 18-wheeler and just said, this 18-wheeler is going to take us to the hotel. And we were behind this massive truck. And even though the storm was still bad, you would think the debris from the truck would make it worse, but somehow it didn't. I don't know. I don't know physics and whatever, but it was a little better than it had been before. And we arrived at the hotel and we run in, we're soaked and we're wet. We turn on the TV and they're like, hey, a tropical uh, storm has hit. This has the potential to be a hurricane. And my dad's like, see, y'all, we drove through a tropical storm, right? (laughs) But I remember sitting there in the car and my heart was just filled with anxiety. And my father's human. He's uh, uh, he has flaws just like every single human being, just like me. But as a young man, even though you see those flaws in your mother or father, you don't really realize them, right? And so there was an assurance that I had as he was driving, as I looked to his face and as I saw that truck, that everything was going to be okay. Everything was going to be okay. When he said he was riding the storm behind that truck, it was just a, a peace that overcame me. And we made it safe. And so today I want to give you all five assurances, five assurances that will help you to meet life storms. Five things that I believe as a church and as a a people that if we memorize these and we place our confidence not in the sentences but in Jesus, that will help us to meet life storms with a gritty faith. Five assurances that will help us to meet life storms with a gritty faith. So when the winds blow 
and the rain comes, our faith will grow as well. And we will respond the way the Lord has forced to respond. And so the first assurance, as we look at today's text, I want us to see is this. Rest assured in the midst of life storms that Jesus knows your storm. Rest assured in the midst of your storm that Jesus knows your storm. Verses 22 through 24. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowds, after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountains by himself to pray. Well into the night he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because of the wind was against them. And Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. So remember the context of last week. And if you weren't here last week, we see the the passage before us about Jesus and how he fed 5,000. Just before this miracle of feeding 5,000, Jesus was in his hometown called Nazareth. Uh, He then left Nazareth and a crowd of people followed him as he was grieving. And as this crowd of people followed him, if you look on a map between uh, uh, Nazareth and the the place that they're crossing over to with his his Bethsaida and the the Gerasenes area, uh, it's not a long trip across the sea. But we see that Jesus has just fed 5,000 people, 5,000 men, which would have been 15 to 20,000 people, with five loaves of bread and two fish. Incredible. And after Jesus has done that, we see that the Bible says immediately he makes the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of them to the other side. He sends them on a mission, and the Bible says that he goes to pray. And so last week we talked about how Jesus uh, uh, really pushed past his own tiredness along with the disciples. Um, and rather than succumb to being tired how, uh, and rest, essentially, how he pressed through. But to, at this point, we see, no, Jesus is like, no, I'm tired. I need to refuel. And how does he refuel? He refuels by going to pray. And as he goes on this mountain to pray, the disciples meet a storm, and the Bible says that they are battered with waves, that the wind is coming violently against them. And the point that I want to make here is that Jesus and God knows the storm. According to Mark chapter 6, verse 48, which is the parallel passage, Mark's uh, uh, a telling of the story, it says, he saw them straining at the oars, he being Jesus, because the wind was against them. Very early in the morning, he came towards them. So Jesus is on a a high mountain. He sees them toiling and struggling in the fourth night, watch of the night, which is around 3, 4 a.m. The entire time. And he he continues to pray. My point is that no matter what you're going through today, God knows your storm. He knows your storm and he sees your storm. He knows your storm and he sees your storm. Now, there's debate, <laughs> and this is kind of funny, even as I was thinking about this this week. As, as Jesus went to this mountain to pray, uh, did Je- was Jesus like Yoda, right? And uh, allowing his young Jedis to go out to the sea, and was he just like throwing waves at them, just like, psh, 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 right? Psh, you know, is that what he's doing? Or, Or was Jesus pressing into his humanity? Did Jesus just genuinely say, hey, I'm about to go pray. And he looks up and God the Father is like, here's a storm for your disciples, right? (laughs) Last time you were in a boat, this time you're not. Let's see what they do. 
Uh, or was this like some demon, demonic activity where uh, somehow Satan just wrestles up this storm in a supernatural way? So it's, I don't know, but it's just fascinating to think about. No matter what happened here, we know that Jesus knew that they were in a storm, that he was uh, praying while they were going through. In the same way, the Bible tells us that God knows our storms. And not only does he know our storms, but he allows our storms. He allows our storms. Storms come to us as, as means of correction, as means of perfection, and sometimes as means of direction. Correction. Sometimes God allows tailor-made storms to come our way in order to correct us because we have been disobedient. We have went in the wrong direction. Think of Jonah. Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel to the Gentiles and to your enemies. Nah, I'd rather go to Tarshish. Uh, I'm about to go on a cruise, right? God's like, nope. I'm going to tailor make a storm for you, throw you over, overboard because I need to get you where I need to get you. Sometimes our storms is storms of correction. Sometimes our storms are storms of perfection. This is what I think about when I hear James say, count it all joy, James chapter 1, 2 through 4. When trials of various, when you are met with trials of various kinds, the word various is multifaceted, multicolored. For the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, mature, whole. That word perfect, whole. Sometimes there's storms just to sanctify us, to grow us, to to increase our faith. And sometimes there's storms of direction. Sometimes God tailor makes storms to close doors that, that seem to be open that we think is him. That's not him. And sometimes God allows storms to come in our way in order to eliminate options to get us to go on the path that will produce the most glory to his name and the most good to our own soul. But regardless of the storm, there is an aspect in which we need to acknowledge that God allows it. And I know for some of us here, that is the hardest and the worst thing you could hear this morning. Pastor Jamal, this storm that I'm going through just seems evil. It seems malicious. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. How could God, if he's loving and compassionate and and merciful and good, allow me to go through this? And and so I don't say this lightly and I don't say this easily. I have been there wondering, God, how is this happening? Why are you allowing this? But we ought to remember that storms did not enter into this world until we as human beings rebelled against God. And that every storm that we go through, every bit of evil and fallenness that is occurring is a result of this world and our bodies and us as human beings being under a curse. And that God is in the process of reversing that curse and making all things right. And Jesus knows the storm. He knows the storm of grief. He knows the storm of depression and mental illness. He knows the storm of of infidelity. 
that, that spouse's infidelity. He knows the storm of, of persecution that you're going through. He knows the storm of your wayward child, debt, familiar drama. But not only does Jesus know the storm, here's what's encouraging. Jesus is praying for you while you're in the storm. The Bible says that, that Jesus got uh, up on a mountain and he went there to pray. He went there to intercede. This word uh, prayer, when we talk about intercession, we're talking about pleading. Jesus went on this mountain and he is pleading with God. And I'm sure he's praying for a, a number of things for himself, for the future of the disciples, for what he knows is, is coming. But as he saw the disciples struggling, he was probably interceding for them, pleading for them, just as the scriptures say. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, we read, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Speaking of Jesus since Jesus always lives to intercede for them. Jesus lives to intercede for those who are in him. Romans chapter 8, verse 34, who is the one who condemns? Christ is the one who died, but even more, has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. He pleads for us. He prays for us. Just as Moses interceded on behalf of Israel when they had rebelled against God, and he feared God's wrath coming upon them, and he begged God to have mercy upon them, Jesus in his blood, 24 hours a day, is interceding for you and me. He's pleading. And so while you're going through the storm, know that you have a prayer partner. You have Jesus. Romans chapter 8, you have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and they are all pleading to a loving father who has set his affection on you before the foundation of the world, who has saved you by grace, who have allowed his son's wrath towards you, uh, his wrath towards you to be absorbed by his son. Which brings us to our third affirmation is that Jesus will come to me. When we are going through a storm, we have to remind ourselves Jesus knows the storm. God is not surprised by the storm. He's not like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe. Hey, Jesus, how do we miss this? How do we miss this? And it was the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, how do, how do we miss this? Is this you? No, God knows it. He allowed it. Jesus is praying for me. Next, we see in this text that Jesus will come to me. Jesus will come to me. The text says that Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. Oftentimes when we go through storms, we question and we wonder, has God forgotten me? Am I abandoned? Have you ever been there or am I the only one? Have you ever experienced a storm that was so tough, so tailored made, so specific, so hard that you just wonder like, God, am I in your wheel? Like, am I yours? You start doing a mental catalog and you're thinking like, man, did I blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? Am, am, am I cursed? Does Jesus' blood apply to me? Will Jesus come to me? Why, oh God, have you forsaken me? The Bible tells us here and shows us that Jesus, he, he sees us, he's, he's praying for us, and, and at the right time, he will come to us. But the question is, why would he delay? 
Why would he delay? Why wouldn't he come right away? He saw the disciples struggling. He, he took his time. He finished praying. And then the Bible said he just walks on water, which we'll get to in a sec, which is amazing. He, he walks on water. But nonetheless, he waits. He saw them straining, going against the wind. Mark's gospel adds this. Mark chapter 6, verse 48. Very early in the morning, he came toward them, walking on the sea and wanted to pass by them. Man, I spent hours this week just like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> I, I mean, Jesus sees them panicking. He sees them going through. And he's just like, what's up, y'all? They see him. They're like, oh, that's Jesus. It's not a ghost. So, yo, Lord, help us. Help us. And the Bible says he just wanted to pass him. He's like, yo, I don't even know y'all like that, right? <laughs> he's like, y'all are doing too much right now. I'm just going to walk past you, right? <laughs> But I, I think what the desire, and I, the Bible's not implicit in my holy imagination, what I imagine is happening here is that Jesus is like, this is not the first time y'all have been in a storm. First time I was on the boat with you and I was asleep, and in your faithlessness, you woke me up and you asked me a very hard question that you should have known the answer is, but it's, do you care about us? Now I reveal myself to you. I'm walking on water. You see that it's me. Your fear, your anxiety is, is still there. And Jesus is like, I'm, I'm going to just let y'all sit in this for a minute. And maybe your perspective will change as you look to me. It gives me, a, it reminds me of a time in high school when I first started lifting weights. I had a, a buddy who was a next door neighbor who was a, a year older than me. He liked to lift. And he finally got me on the bench to do some bench pressing, right? And this is my first time under the bar, and the bar is like 45 pounds, and he put a little weight on there. I'm like, man, you know you're going to have to put some more on there. And then he thought, took it, and I'm like, oh, man, this is kind of. And I go down, up, down, up, down, and I'm like, man, this is heavy. <laughs> and I never forget Eddie looking at me like, come on, bro, you, you got one more in you. I'm like, nah, for real, get this off me. He like, man, it's, it's not even 100 pounds, bro. I'm like, bro, if you don't get this off me, right? <laughs> and so what does he do? He, he takes the weight and he gives me a spot. And the whole time he's encouraging, push through it, 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 push through it. All right, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. Boom. And so anyone who's, who's wise and who's a good spotter, they know you don't just take the weight off. The moment it gets heavy, you let them struggle with it because you're trying to build muscle. And the more you build that muscle, the, the bigger that muscle gets, the, the more confidence you have when they say you got one more in you to press a little more because you believe, you know what? I've been doing this enough. I do have one more in me. And if I don't, I know that I've got a spotter. I've got somebody behind me that's willing to stoop down and to give me that lift that I need. And Jesus here is, 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 is spotting the disciple. He's, he acts as if he's about to walk past them. And he meets them where they are in their fear, in their worry, in their doubt. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't hate on them. Rather than even walk past them, he slows down. He moonwalks back and he addresses what's going on. That's what the Bible says God does for his children. Psalm 50 15, the psalmist 
Here's the voice of the Lord say to him, call on me in a day of trouble. I will rescue you and you will honor me. And notice what he said. He didn't say call on me in a day of trouble and I will immediately rescue you. I will rescue you the way that you think I should rescue you. But he does promise that he will rescue you and he will rescue you in such a way that it will bring honor to his name. So sometimes God allows us to linger in the storm because he's building character. Other times God allows us to linger in a storm because there are things that are happening that we can't see. At any given time, with one single simple action, God can be doing a hundred thousand things. Not only in our life, but in our cousin's life, in Nuke Nuke and Bebe's life, and your co-worker's life. And we're sitting here wondering, like, God, get this off me. This is too heavy. God's like, I know, but it's not about you right now. Uh, people are watching you in the struggle. Your tears is ministering to people. People are seeing something in you that you're not seeing in yourself. There is a, a grit that is actually healing And then sometimes God allows us to go through because there's something happening in the spiritual realm that's mysterious. I'm reminded by the prophet Daniel, and Daniel prayed to God and went on a fast. And and the Lord delayed in in answering his prayer. And then uh, the, the supernatural happened. An angel came to Daniel and said, Daniel, the first day you set your mind to fast, God had already answered your prayer. But he says, see, in the spiritual realm, in the heavens, there was a war going on. And there was a battle, and it took me some time to break through to get to you. Y'all don't hear me. Sometimes we're going through stuff, and I don't even understand all of what that means. But mysteriously, in the spiritual realm, there are things that are taken. There is a, a war that is happening, and God is saying, be gritty by placing your confidence and your eyes on Jesus. And trust the process. Well, how can we trust the process? Well, I think part of the reason we could trust the process is because of how Jesus revealed himself here to the disciples. In verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Another way to translate this is this, is, is don't be afraid, I am. I am. Don't be afraid, Jesus came and said, I am. (laughs) Uh, God, who shall I tell Pharaoh sent me? Tell him I am. (laughs) Just tell him I am. God's so bad. He's like, I'm the self-existent one. Just tell him I am. I am have sent you. Jesus shows up on a scene walking on water in the cool of the day. Kanye's music, Jesus Walk, is in the background, and he just is like, yo, I am. I am. And in the midst of your storm, may you see Jesus today, and may you hear his voice, I am. I'm here. The self-existent one is here. The one who can provide all of your needs according to my Father's riches and glory, I'm here. The one who gives a, a peace beyond, beyond comprehension, I am. The one who restores your soul. He says, I am. He, he says, I, I am here. He says, you're, you're, you're divorced. You're not dead. I am. Uh, you're, 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 you're broken, but you're not damaged. I am. Uh, you're, you're sad, but I'm the one who turns uh, ashes into beauty. I am. I, I, I am. 
I am. I am present. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm walking on your waves. Your problem is a staircase to me. I am. I am the God who sees you. I am the God who knows you. I am the God who created you. I am the God who loves you. I am the God of revelation. I am. I'm your healer. I'm your hope. Which brings us to our fourth affirmation that Jesus will grow my faith through the storm. Jesus will grow my faith through the storm. The text takes a turn when we see uh, a Peter speak up. I love verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. This is Peter. I love Peter. Peter, the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth. Peter <laughs> says, Lord, if this is you, bid me to come. And he says, come. People give Peter a hard time. I like Peter. I like Peter, man. Peter is, Peter's about about it. Peter is gritty. I mean, Peter has moments of just genius, and then like a chapter later, he is being rebuked and called Satan. I like Peter. <laughs> uh, get thee behind me, Satan, right, Peter? Because I, I feel like Peter sometimes, right? You have those moments, you're like, man, oof, that was, man, praise the Lord. And then that next day, you're like, man, what was I thinking, right? Uh, and Peter here in the same passage has both experiences. Peter walks on water. There's only two people who walked on water, Jesus and Peter. Well, walked on like a body of water. We walk on water all the time, amen? <laughs> Y'all so silly, amen? <laughs> Peter walks on water. He comes to Jesus. The Bible says, in climbing out of the boat, Peter starts walking on the water and came towards Jesus. Verse 30, but when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Peter gets afraid. And, and we can understand that. Wind is crashing. It's blowing. And, and he, he takes his eye off of Jesus. He forgets Jesus' promise that if that if he is, is, is courageous, that he will meet him in that. He forgets that Jesus has summoned him to come. He gets afraid and he begins to sink. And that's us on a day-to-day -day basis. We start off the morning good and by the middle of the day, we feel like we're sinking. One phone call, one bad look, one finger from a driver in front of us, one full pamper, Right? We begin to sink. Look at verse 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. He caught hold of him. And he said to him, you of little faith, why do you doubt? What Jesus is doing here is he's growing Peter's faith. The first time Peter's in a storm, Jesus is on the boat with him. Uh, uh, Jesus is near him. And he sees that Jesus is near, even though he doesn't feel him. This time, Jesus is far off, and he thinks Jesus has abandoned him and forgotten, but Jesus shows up. And this time, rather than Jesus get on top of the boat and say, peace be still, the, he doesn't even speak to the wind. It's just as soon as he gets on boat, it just stops. And this is sanctification. This is growth. This is a picture of the Christian life. God is constantly growing our faith one thing after another. This is the first time in Matthew's gospel that the disciples are going to conclude that Jesus is the son of God. 
I mean, they've seen him heal lepers. They've seen him open uh, blind eyes. They've seen him open deaf ears. They've, Peter have seen Jesus heal his mother who has a, a huge fever. They've seen all of this, but it takes this. Not the feeding of the 5,000 from a little boy's lunch. It takes this. It takes Jesus walking on water and Jesus calming the sea by stepping on the boat for them to be like, oh, snap, this is, this is the Son of God. God knows what it takes to take you from from where you are, and I know you, we think that we are somewhere that's deeper than we are. God knows exactly where he are, and he tailor-makes storm after storm, situation after situation, so that we can see our true selves in reality. Because when we get saved, we think we see reality, and we start walking a little bit, and we're like, man, I'm a Christian now. Yo, I know a verse. I read a couple verses, and then we're like, we're correcting everybody around us. We're dropping a Bible. We're like, man, I pray all day. That's all I do. I pray without ceasing, right? And then we're like correcting pastors, community group leaders, friends, parents. Like, we're condemning the way we were raised, right? And then all of a sudden, a storm happens. And it's like, a month later, I'm not sure I believe. What do I believe? And God's like, man, I just had to humble you. This is a tailor-made storm. This is a butt whooping that is tailor-made for you. And not because uh, I, I don't like you, but it's because I love you, actually, and I need to humble you so that you can be poor in spirit and learn to mourn and, and, and learn to have a bigger picture of me. And even though a bigger picture of me you think is like this fancy, everything's right, everything's perfect, a, a true, more beautiful picture of me is, is seeing my son who was crucified, though he was in my will, who had nails put in his hands, though he was in my will, who had crowns placed upon his brow, though he was in my will. And in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, he could say, not my will, but thy will. That's what, that's what maturity is. It's being able to go through something, have everything that you know rocked, have the pain like you've never experienced it. And even in the midst of your lament and your pain, somehow be able to utter the words, Lord, would you please stop this? But if you don't, you're still God. And this is sanctification. This is Peter. After Jesus is resurrected from the dead, it's not going to stop for Peter. Peter is a mature apostle. Goes to Galatia. Galatians chapter 2 gets rebuked by another apostle because he's living a hypocritical life. We will experience God's sanctifying, intentional, storm-creating hand until we die. Because until we die, we are imperfect human beings. Finally, Jesus will see me through the storm. Jesus will see me through the storm. If we're going to meet life storms with a gritty faith, we have to rest in the assurance that Jesus will see me through the storm. Not might, he will see me through the storm. In the midst of that child's illness, in the midst of your loneliness, in your, the midst of your, your questions about how you've been created and, 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 and made and your de desires, Jesus will see me through the storm. He will see me safely home. I love this. Peter's sinking and he cries out, Lord, save me. Lord, have mercy upon me. Oh, I love verse 31. Do you see it? What's the first verse in 31 in your translation? Woo! 
Jesus immediately, for whatever reason, he doesn't wait this time. He doesn't just kind of walk past him. He's like immediately. He knew that Peter was at his wit's end. Immediately here, he picks him up. And he speaks to him, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And I don't think that he was shouting at him. I don't think this is him scorning him. I think this is an invitation, a bigger brother talking to a smaller brother. This is a, 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 a generous savior talking to a, a, a sinner that he is redeeming by grace. Oh, man, why'd you doubt? Why'd you take your eyes off of me? I got you. Three quick applications. First is that a gritty faith gets out of the boat when Jesus commands. If we're going to have a gritty faith in the midst of our storm, we need to get out of the boat when Jesus commands. When Jesus commands. Some of us, the Lord has, is wanting to grow our faith, is wanting to, to, to show us him in a deeper, more intimate level, and we're staying in the boat because we're afraid. And I want you to see this Jesus who's saying, listen, in the midst of your storms, in the midst of your trust, if you just trust my voice, if you obey what I've called you to do, if you step out on faith, you will see me work in ways that you've never seen before. And you may fail. You may stumble. It's a part of the process. But step out of the boat. Step out of the boat and share your faith. Step out of the boat and go and get that friend who is wandering away from the faith. Step out of the boat and serve the church in a new way and, 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 not, uh, and stop being insecure. Step out of the boat and repent to your spouse and, and swallow your pride and, and show vulnerability. Step out of the boat and, and sign up for a ministry where you have to be vulnerable and let people in like Restore or, or community group. Step out of the boat and be obedient. Step out of the boat and, and follow through with your commitment to steward your finances well and Give to the church, even though things are tight, step out of the boat. But there's another type of person here today who does not know Jesus. And man, you're tired. Life is battering you. It's, it's beating you. And the reason you find yourself here at this church in this hour is because you're so desperate. You, you, you once said that the church folk, churches for other people, it's, it's not true. It's not scam. But you find yourself so broken today that you just said, you know what? I'm here. I've, I, something has to help. Something has to change. And I'm telling you today to step out of the boat by faith and trust Jesus with your soul. See that Jesus Christ came to take on the biggest and baddest storm that there ever was and ever will be. And that is your sin. And he allowed this storm called sin to drown him. To to put him to death so that your sin. And so that your storm can be paid in full so that you can ride the wave of salvation. And today, God is telling you to trust in Jesus by faith. You don't have to have it all figured out. Believe that Jesus Christ exists 
is real, lived a perfect life, died in your place, offers you uh, forgiveness and reconciliation with a perfect father. It's coming back again and defeated death. Trust that with all of your heart and the parts of your heart that don't believe it. Confess your sins knowing that he is faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you of all of your unrighteousness. Second, a gritty faith perseveres by walking on the promises of God and and stands on his character. Peter, in this text, he is walking and doing well as he has his eyes on Jesus. When he takes his eyes off of Jesus, it's when he stumbles. And some of us are just wrestling and our our faith is at an all-time low and we're we're giving into sin and we're pessimistic and we have a form of godliness, but we're denying its power. We're just going through the motions to be accepted by our Christian friends. And what we have done is we have taken our eyes off of Jesus and we have allowed the waves of doubt to control us. God's invitation is for you to place your eyes back on Jesus, to focus on him, to focus on his word, his invitation for you to come, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Psalmist says, if I say my foot is slipping, your faithful love will support me, Lord. Keep your eyes on that verse. on his good news that he is supporting you. Isaiah 43, two through five, this is amazing. Isaiah writes to Israel, now this is what the Lord says, the one who's created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters and when you pass through the rivers They will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel and your Savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for you. Cush and Sheba in your place because you are precious in my sight and honored and I love you. I will give people in exchange for you and the nations instead of you. Do not fear for I am with you. God says to you today, Christian, Do not fear. I am with you. I see you in the midst of your storm. Keep your eyes on my promises. Keep your eyes on what I've told you. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Keep your eyes on what I told you. He who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. Keep your eyes on what I told you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am able to keep you from stumbling. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The one who lived, died, was buried, and is resurrected and has ascended and sitting on the right hand of the Father. Keep your eyes on him. And I know it's tough. I know it's hard. We will fail. You will fail. Storms have a way of disorienting us. But Jesus is able. Third, a gritty faith knows that God's grace is bigger than your failure. (laughs) Peter here fails. God meets him in his failure. Peter succumbed to fear and God meets him in his fear. I've shared the story once before and I'll share it again about 
time in which a friend of ours and my family, we were uh, exiting an event together. And it was a tornado warning and it just came through and tore up a lot of things and it stopped raining and we're there. They have at the time had more kids than us and, and they say, hey, we're about, to, we're about to go out to the parking lot. We'll see you all later. A minute later, I hear just screams from all of their kids. I believe they had four at the time and everybody's screaming. Look outside and a, a storm had come. Uh, it, it was just horrible. It was just a big rain was falling. The kids started running in every direction. I run out. I grabbed two of them. The mom grabs one. My friend grabs his son. We all come back inside soaking wet. And I see the the father get on one knee with his son. And he looks at him. And he says, son, why? Why did you let my hand go in a storm? Why did you run like that? And the son said, dad, because I was afraid. And the father said, man, when you're afraid, that's not when you run away from me. That's when you run to me. And all of us are tempted when we're afraid, tempted when things seem to be falling apart to run away from God. And God is saying, I am your loving father. That's not when you run away. That's not when you cut and bail. That's when you come to me. And God is inviting you not with a voice of shame or condemnation, but to run to him today. With all of your fears, all of your doubt, all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of your pain, all of your apathy, all of your questions, run to him in the midst of your storm. Allow him to put his arms around you and hear what he has to say to you today if you are in Christ. And here's what he has to say to you. I love 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 you. I, I love you. 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 And not only is he saying, I love you, but he's saying, I like you. 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 With all of your sin, all of your mess, all of your failure, all of your brokenness, all of your insecurity, all of your doubt, I like you. I want to spend time with you. I want to know you. I like you. I'm for you. I sing over you. I rejoice over you. Come to me. Come to me. Just as you are. Come to me. Let me father you. Let me shepherd you. Let me love you. Come to me today, not tomorrow, right now. Come to me. I love you. And every Sunday we take a meal together called communion that reminds us of this radical, incredible love that we're loved with. The night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took a cup and said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. And Christian, as you take this meal today, I just want you to remind you that sanctification is a process. It's a process in which we are active to 
to live obedient and to fight sin, but it's also a process in which we're passive, in which the Lord is working his goodwill in us and through us and teaching us to say no to ungodliness. And as you take this meal, I want you to celebrate the fact that just like Peter, God is for you. And he's waiting for you. He's patient with you. He's not waiting on the other side of you coming through. He is walking through the storm with you. Every step of the way. Those of you in the front, you can come to the front. Those in the back, you can go to the back. Gluten-free, alcohol-free communion to my left. Christian, let's eat. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.